Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks in the world who are on a mission to obtain freedom. What is freedom? We're about to find out. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited entrepreneur who has been chasing freedom her entire life. Beside me is my co-host, Jackie Asel, the anchor who keeps me grounded. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Clock Out the Vicarious Life. I have been away for a little while, so we had a slight break in our regular schedule, and I apologize for that. But guess what? Summer in Montana is short as shit, and life happens, and guests are out having fun. I was having fun. Uh, things are kind of tuning down, and the summer's kind of coming to a super sad ending. So we're kind of back to doing more recordings and I am ecstatic for our next guest because she is kind of like all about summer and activities and fun stuff. And it was definitely worth the wait to get her into the studio while she was out playing and having fun. Um, Today we are talking with Valerie Mann. Um, She is a a phenomenal photographer. She's an adventurer for Backyard Montana. Uh, She's a woodworker as well, although I think she'll call that now a hobby more than an income producing uh, type of thing. And she is the owner, operator, and the badass um, entrepreneur behind Digital Spark Creative. So with that, Hello and welcome, Valerie. Hello. Thanks for having me, Tracy. You are so welcome. I am super excited to get you in here. Um, Valerie and I go back a little ways. I always like to talk about where I find these guests from, but uh, Valerie is here in beautiful Butte, Montana, but we met when she was first moving here and buying her first home. So this has been five years, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Roughly. Roughly. Roughly five years. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, her and her husband, now husband, Mitch, were kind of newer to the area, I think, at the time, and settling down. So with that, Valerie, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're here in Montana now. Where where did you come from? Yeah, you did a great introduction. So uh, my husband and I, we moved from the Adirondacks of northern New York, and sometimes I hesitate saying New York because people <laughs> think the city But um, I always try to convey that we're from a very rural area, like towns of maybe a thousand, a couple thousand people. So, um, yeah, kind of like small town people move to big city of Butte. But I love the way that Mitch describes it is um, biggest small town. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, very. So. Okay, so what brought you, first of all, I guess before we go from there, my husband says the same thing. My husband, Brandon, is from New York as well, Gardner. Yeah, I remember this conversation. Yeah, and I'm mortified to introduce him as a New York person. (laughs) So around around some people, I don't. I just say, oh, this is Brandon. Yeah, he's he's not from New York. It's fine. (laughs) But same thing, you know, it's kind of upper northern and very country rural. And he and he lived there 20 years and had only been to the city twice and it was like the outskirts and it wasn't like in the city. So yeah, country style. (laughs) Yeah. It can be traumatizing to go to the city when you're used to rural. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, no different than us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did you, did you go into the city often or? Yeah. I have a sister, um, that lives there currently. Um, she's an interior designer. Okay. So she does really well there and she was kind of like, Well, when I was in high school and thought I wanted to live in a city, I would escape to her and be like, oh, because she's really, she's an entrepreneur as well. Very strong uh, woman, runs her own business. um, And I always admired that and wanted that. So 
Heck yeah. That's awesome to have that role model. And she's just, did you go back and visit still now? Get to escape to her? Yeah, every now and then I do, but I realized that the city was not for me. <laughs> I hear you. I think I think we like all when we're in high school, we think that we're going to get away and go to the city and <laughs> some stay though. I mean, it's, it's for some and it's not for others and that's totally fine. Right. <laughs> what brought you guys here to Montana specifically? Um, so where we grew up in the Adirondacks, it was so rural that for for me to accomplish my goals, I realized trying to start my own business in the Adirondacks. It's a pretty like impoverished uh, community. So it'd be really hard to start my own business there. And jobs for what I do were very limited. Um, so for me, it wasn't a great idea. For Mitch, he's an electrical engineer. He works for Northwestern Energy. Um, he probably could find a job um, nearby the Adirondacks, but it just wasn't working out or being ideal. So um, we were living in the southern tier of Binghamton, which is like, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, get me out of here. So we signed up for like job alerts, both he and I, and Northwestern, they shipped him out here, had an interview. He did really well. So he's the real reason we ended up in Butte. Interesting. Okay. So the job first, I was wondering if you guys had scouted it out and then, you know, fell in love with Montana. So he had any, either of you ever been to Montana? Um, I drove through briefly. I was, I did a, well, a couple years of school in California because what I do for Digital Spark Creative is technology related. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if you're going to go that route, California is where you yeah. should be. Anyways, yeah. I was driving home after like taking a detour to British Columbia and we drove through, Mon- I drove through Montana. Uh-huh. Oh, very cool. Okay. So you kind of I remember idea. it being like gorgeous. Like the section from like the Idaho border to Missoula, you're oh, just by yeah. the river. And that's my favorite drive. So beautiful. It is. Yeah, that's the stuff that gets people. <laughs> coming to Montana and staying if they venture. I mean, if they, basically, if you go from Glacier to Yellowstone, you see, in my opinion, like the best parts of Montana. And that's, I'm well, I guess up north as far as you can go to. I love, I love like the northern border as well, northwestern border. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very, very cool. And I guess, so speaking of Digital Spark, that is your main form of income. I mean, I guess if I was to ask you what you do for a living, how would you just quickly elevator pitch describe that? What do I do for a living? Um, (laughs) If a five-year-old asked you, I am five and I want to know what you do for a living. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I make attractive graphics and artwork for your business to sell yourself most efficiently. Super. I sell lemonade on a on a <laughs> corner, and that's my thing. And so I would hire you, and you would bring me from lemonade selling like on a corner all the way to like, I guess, um, Minute Maid level. Is that how things work? <laughs> <laughs> to like, yeah, very large scale business. Okay, perfect. Okay, so what all does Digital Spark Creative do? I know photography. I know you from photography because I see your like beautiful real estate photography. That you do as well, but what else is, does Digital Spark Creative do? Yeah, so the commercial photography side for sure. Um, I enjoy photography the most. It's my lifelong, well, since like 15 passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I focus one of my primary core services is website design. 
And I'd say third is graphic design, like creating logos and various like print and digital advertising materials. But um, websites, I really enjoyed them. And I enjoy building them because there's some problem solving involved and that keeps like your mind Mm -hmm. continuously moving, um, trying to figure out like how to code things right or design it so it functions. Sure. Yeah, with funny animations and stuff. Yeah, so a little bit of creative, a little bit of like, uh, I guess, mechanical, not mechanical, technical. Yeah. Yeah, technical. Technical and problem solving. Okay. Very, very cool. So... Yes, your photography is beautiful. I think anybody that follows you has probably seen you on Backyard Montana. What is Backyard Montana for anybody that, first of all, you can find that on, I know, Facebook. It's, it's, that's primarily what it is, right? Oh, it's um, its, it's full-fledged like website. It has a little e-commerce store. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram and getting too old school to get on Snapchat. Not doing it. <laughs> no. How about TikTok? Oh, TikTok. So much fun. That's the one. No, I can't do it. You can't? Oh, it's so much fun. Oh, my gosh. You get to just act the fool, and and then it's it's acceptable. It doesn't matter if you're like, you could be an attorney and be on TikTok, and they would be like, oh, it's, it's acceptable to act like an idiot, and we still see you as a professional. That's kind of what I like about TikTok. But anyway, sorry. Back to Backyard Montana. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. So... Backyard Montana, at this point, um, I would say it's a recreational blog website. So when we moved to Butte, Montana, I decided this was a good place to start my business. I felt like I was filling a niche in the area. Um, And so with starting that, I didn't necessarily have clients to bring with me. Sure. But I needed to occupy my time to not go nuts. Um, (laughs) So Mitch and I... Like, we love this area. He, when he interviewed here, he explored it a little bit, and he sent me pictures, and it was the springtime when it's nice and green and, like, gorgeous. And anyways, we moved here, and it was springtime as well, like June. Mm -hmm. And so we were already hiking out on the trails. Um, There wasn't a lot of information out there to, like, find what trail you wanted to do and... So it was kind of this pet project. We'd go on a hike. I'd put together like a little trip report, Mm -hmm. get that out there, post photography on social media. And that was how the website started was kind of this blog, like trail data Uh resource. Um, And since then, we've put or I've put together articles kind of like helpful how-tos, um, good-to-knows for hiking in this area because it is very different from um, where we used to hike in the Adirondacks. Wow. Um, like getting to the trailheads is a whole adventure so in itself. <laughs> it is. Oh, my. I used to have to take, if I was leaving on Friday to go on a like a three-night backpacking trip, I would leave Thursday night and go do my scouting to make sure I could find the trailhead. Because if not, like, then you blow a whole day and your whole trip's off. So, yeah, that it's a huge, and it's so rural and it's so far and you lose service. <laughs> yep. So you can't rely on maps or anything. So, yeah, anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, there was, like, a little learning curve, I guess, for hiking that I put into this Backyard Montana resor- resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has a little bit of a store component. We sell trail maps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you make them yourself? How do you have those produced? 
I looked into it as like another way to make money mm-hmm. <laughs> off of this because mm-hmm. it started out just as a fun project. Sure. Um, but yeah, like you can, I guess, take forest service maps, modify them and then sell them. I asked wow. if that was okay from the forest service and they said, yeah, it's Go for public it. data. Do with it as you please. And I was like, okay. So then I never, I didn't actually follow through with that. I was looking into printing for something like that. And I didn't think like selling a digital file. Sure. Would be, there would be a whole lot of interest in that. Oh my God, I would have bought Um, one for sure. Digital. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because I... I don't carry like hard anything. So like for me, when I'm doing research for my trips, I would 100% download a digital map to have on my phone because I take my phone because it's my camera. And then that would be accessible without, you know, because it's downloaded, I wouldn't need Wi-Fi and I could actually log out for the whole weekend and not have it. And then I would have it in front of me. And yeah, you're supposed to have paper, but I just, I'm more digital. I like to have it on my phone, I guess. I don't know. No, that makes sense. I think a lot of... um Anybody recreating nowadays, they rely on more digital resources versus, like, printouts. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I like, I realize I am not a trendy person, and I am not like most people, because I would rather have a printout. Yeah. Well, pr- printouts are awesome. Like, I love, there's something about, it's kind of like a book, though. If you open up, like, a map, it's like, you can, I can get lost in my living room on the floor and just study these maps, and they're amazing, but I can't fold the fucking thing when I'm done with it and I'm not <laughs> it's bad enough to dig that thing out and then to fold it back up to put it back in my pack on the trail not happening I'm snapping a picture of the area that I'm in and I'm just going to refer to my phone instead of opening it up on the trail but in my living room yes like lay it out on the floor and just study it in all of its gorgeous beautiful mappiness right? yeah I really want like a drafting table just to review maps in my yeah. like forever home <laughs> yeah, no, and it's that's so cool because that's that's right up your alley. I mean, you do print, you do the, the like the the whole graphic design. Like, you could take a Forest Service map and make it so, I don't know, bougie. Is that a thing? Bougie, like a bougie map. You have like a very bougie map. Maybe making it like more simplified looking. <laughs> like, true. yeah, because some fine. of the maps are like, yeah. not everybody needs all that. There's different uh, graphics, colors, whatnot. Yeah. Simplify it. Yeah, the legend is like, yeah, exactly. Sell it for the person that's just hiking and just wants to do that versus like a hunting map versus a, I mean, there's just all of the layers. Yeah. Yeah. I I need it simplified. I'm not very smart. So like reading maps already is hard for me (laughs) and add in all the layers. I'm like, oh, what is this? So yeah, makes total sense. Okay. So you sell, you sell maps, you sell, is it? clothing do you have merchandise anything cool like that (laughs) see this kind of loops back to I'm not a trendy person so I tried the apparel route like Mm -hmm. briefly I lightly played with it and uh I don't know there's other ways that you could go about it like doing print on demand or maybe cheaper printing methods Mm -hmm. um so I had started with like just t-shirts and was wanting to see how those would play out and I mean I think that people want a lot of Different options, which equals like tons of inventory and tons of ordering yeah. sizes come with apparel. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to go that route. Like I want yeah. simple. So yeah, because you're creating yourself a job at that point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, totally. And you don't do this to have a job. You do this to have like, fun, freedom and fun and, you know, a little bit of supplemental type of income. 
Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I, like, thought of some other ideas for the shop, like maybe making some fun illustration maps of Montana, but these are all just ideas. So many ideas, yeah. but it's like what to focus on next. You oh know? God, the, the the problems that entrepreneurs have, right? That's that's an entrepreneur's like life <laughs> dilemmas. Ah, oh, all the ideas, the ideas, and then putting it together in the follow through. That's that's mm-hmm. where you hire people. You just find somebody and you hire them out to take the vision to fruition, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's that that tactic for sure. Yeah. Okay. So on on digital, so back to Digital Spark Creative, really quick. Where can people find you for that? Are you are you, are you taking clients? Do you have a website? Give yourself a little little shout out there. Absolutely. What kind of web designer would I be without a website? There you go. <laughs> so, DigitalSparkCreative.com. Um, you can read all about my services, a little about me. Um, I've got my cat on there as an office manager. She's super cute. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and that really highlights all the services that I offer. I also am on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, very cool, very cool. Um, Okay, so it's phenomenal. Who are some of your big clients? Any any, uh, names that you've, or companies, I guess, if somebody saw and they were like, oh my gosh, she did that website, that's cool. Um, So for websites... I mean, I do have this client that I value working with a lot, Humanities Montana. Okay. They're based on Missoula, and I still manage their website, and they have all sorts of programming. Um, Yeah, you should check out humaniesmontana.org if you're interested um, in any humanities-related topics for Montana. Um, But outside of websites... um, more so photography mm-hmm. because that is my passion uh, and it's phenomenal so like that that's it's phenomenal I mean you you some of the stuff that you have captured because I, I follow you on Facebook I'm not as much of an Instagram or I guess I don't know I think I'm too old or something I don't know but I see all over Facebook and it's like you can feel your photos and I think maybe it's because I relate so much because most of it is outdoors type of stuff and I have seen a lot of like I've been to a lot of really cool places with hiking and backpacking but I take pictures on a cell phone and I bring them back and people are like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it doesn't capture the magnificence oh. that yours does. Oh, so, well, thank like, you. I mean, like legit, like you bring out the vividness of like, just like the ruggedness of the mountains and the different textures. Cause that's what like really captivates you. You don't even know why, but you're looking at a hillside or you're looking at a, like a landscape and you can, it's, it's like texture and detail and it's so there's so much color and vibrance and you don't see that and people don't get to ever experience that like I want to take that experience and show everybody that this is what I just got to experience in my cell phone picture (laughs) they're like yeah is that a lake is that was that a lake in the background because it's so far away but you look at yours and it's just boom everything oh thank you yeah I've been really lucky um I feel like for photography and a lot of creative ventures that I've done, it's more so like make the art, do it because I love it. And then someone's like, oh, hey, can I pay you to do that? And I'm like, "Uh, yes. (laughs) So I just, I'm always taking photos. Um, Like I said, a million times, it's my passion. And I was lucky enough to be introduced to the Butte CBB. Um, conventional, Thanks. conventional visitors bureau. Okay. So they're kind of like Butte's tourism, mm-hmm. uh, entity to promote this area. 
And so I did a lot of photography work for them, and I also was able to get my photo with Mitch and I mm-hmm. on the cover of Southwest Montana, the Visitor's Guide. Oh, yes. Um, so that was really exciting. Um, that was really cool to be, be on, be a part of. Yes. Yeah. And, and definitely looking for more work like that. Yeah, why not? Because that, and that is what kind of gets into the fun part of why you were asked to be on this podcast. Because it's like, yeah, that's what you do for a living. But how many people get to live the best, live their best life, basically? And then on there's money that comes in for that. Because how cool is that? Because, I mean, if you could do anything in the world on a day-to-day basis, like, what would you do? Probably go hiking, right? You'd right. be outdoors, And that's exactly what this type of a lifestyle allows for you is to get out and do what you want to do. And then people throw money at you and you're like, oh, super, right? (laughs) Definitely in these scenarios for sure. Um, Yeah. And like you talking about that saying, um, how great is it to do your hobby? Say it starts as a hobby and then people want to pay you. And I feel like I hear interesting conversations where people are like, don't ever make your hobby your livelihood. Like, And it probably depends on what they're doing, maybe. Yeah. Um, But with photography, I'm realizing I'm the happiest when I'm doing that type of work. Yeah. Um, It's just the most, like, fulfilling. I feel like my creative juices are, like, fully optimized. And, yeah. So a lot of photographers I hear get burnt out on, like, the people aspect of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess... Talk to me about that, and I guess tell me what what kinds of photography do you do? Because like not no no photographer does it all, and if they do, they're not good at all of it. But like, what specifically do you specialize in, or and do you prefer? Yeah, so for through Digital Spark Creative, um, I offer commercial photography, so that's promotional, anything that's promotional. Um, if it's outdoor related, then. I am fully in the zone there. Um, Like, I got to photograph the Butte 100 mountain bike race in Butte. Oh, my God. It was so good. Thank you. Yeah. That was, that's one of the most fun shoots where if it's recreational related, being outside, even tourism, I like, I always liked helping people, introducing people to new areas. Um, So it just kind of like fits and makes it a fun project for me. Yeah. other on times the, before you go on the view 100 I looked at your pictures and I was obsessed so first of all I'm a mountain biker too I love mountain biking and we always joked like have you ever seen a crabby mountain biker like <laughs> never they're always so happy and it was so cool because your your shoot like every one of them like they come like there's a lot of them that had the intense looks on their face but that's cool because it's a race yeah. and you captured that because it is like hardcore and intense and it's in like oh my god the endurance but on the flip side, it was so cool because you caught so many people with their big shit-eating grins on their faces and, like, the, you know, like, the hand sim- signals that they're just having so much fun. And on a 100-mile race, like, I don't know. How, I, I love mountain biking, and I don't know how you can have fun doing that because that was so much, but you captured it. So Have you done five. The, any of the Butte 100, like the nope. 25s and whatnot? Not the tw- no, I never did. I never – so the 50 was very hard to get into when I was mountain biking – regularly like it was a lottery and I never I was like yeah. Yeah, I'll never get into it the hundred I just could not have done um I did the the York 38 is, is, so it's up by York yep 38 miles up there and whatever it's that like I thought I was going to die but it was the most exhilarating thing um it was 
50, it was 55 degrees that day. And I think it was in September, August, September. It was like a freakishly freezing cold. Like it snowed up high and then it was sleet and rain. So I froze to death. It was your hands. I bet. Oh, I couldn't yeah. even feel my hands. Yeah. Like I'm breaking with like, you can't see me on podcast, but I'm breaking with like the pad of my thumb and I'm, tr- and then I'm like, ah, piss on it. I'm just going to roll until I crash because <laughs> I can't feel my hands. It was brutal. So yeah, that was my only race that I, that I ever did. Um, never got to do the beat 100, but I got to experience a race and that is what I'm talking about. Like everybody had so much fun and you captured it like brilliantly. Cause it was, you captured all of the intensity, you captured all the fun. I would say that capturing those moments when people are like, just like, you can tell they're exhausted, but they are happy. They are enjoying what they're doing. I was up in the Highlands and there was this girl coming up over the rise and she just screams out like, it's so beautiful. And she's like exhausted, (laughs) but like still like verbalizing her like appreciation for the area. Yeah, You got to find something like to get you through those tough times. And that's. I saw a bunch of like comments and things on your photography. And then also I'm, I'm in a bunch of mountain biking, like forums and groups. And there was, after that race, there was a bunch of women on one of my forums on Facebook that they were talking about like, Oh, I just had the honor of doing the Butte 100. And they talked about it being like the, the landscape, the beauty of it. And just the intensity is like nothing that they've ever experienced in any other mountain bikers. And then they said, boy, those people, people that ride the Butte trails are hardcore because they do that shit every day. I (laughs) went, That was a once in a lifetime thing for me. I couldn't do that again. So it was it was cool. It was a cool shout out to the the people around here. So yeah, yeah, yeah you get to ride those trails like yeah. all the time. I know, I know. It's so much fun. Are, do you mountain bike? No, we haven't gotten into mountain biking. <gasps> Maybe when the joints just can't run anymore. Oh, so you run? Know. You're yeah. a trail runner. Yep, Mitch and I really love trail running. See, I'm not tough enough for that. I, I like the idea. <laughs> and sometimes I go and I run on a trail, but I'm not a trail runner because that, like, I think it involves. Okay, I'm going to ask you, what, do trail runners run the whole time or do you guys, like, stop sometimes? I actually um, was running with some new girls and so, like, Mitch is a very intense person with his exercise. Mm, he looks like it, yeah. Yeah, he is. And he will run up the hills, like, I don't know, to where he can't breathe. So I am in my mindset, like, okay, I'm going to run these super steep hills no matter what, no matter how slow I'm going. Yeah. And then I run with these other girls, and they're like, we just walk it. And I'm like, yeah, why not? So that's okay. Accepted. Yeah, well, and that's, okay, so it's just kind, of, kind of the same with mountain biking. Like, the first, I don't know, five years that I rode, it was like, it's unacceptable if you stop at all. And so, like, that was my main objective was to go the whole time without stopping. Like, you know, and I'm talking like, oh, it's a 10 mile ride. Like people do this. They don't stop. So that's what you work up to. (laughs) And then, and then you get on like the more technical trails and like, probably like you're talking with Mitch, the really steep stuff. And like, if you can't ride that or run it in your case, you suck. Right. Or you're not very good. So in my mind, I'm like, that is my goal is to be able to do that. And I straight up burnt myself out of mountain biking and I quit mountain biking for like three years because guess what? I'm a killjoy. That's what I, I'm like, you, you beat it so hard to like of intensity and perfection that you take the joy out of it. And I hung it up for like three years. And then just this year, I, well, I, I rode a little bit last year too, but uh, this year I ended up getting Brandon into it. And I said, you know what? My goal for this is to just be outside to enjoy the outdoors, to have good company. I want to ride with as many new people as possible because they're just having a hell of a good time and not have that 
like, oh my God, pressure I have to. Pressure on yourself. Yeah, because yeah. the pressure just kills you. So that is so cool that you just kind of did the same thing. Like, oh, I can go with new girls and it's okay to just walk. Right. Like, but do other people walk? versus? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never there's, seen a trail runner walking. There's not a ton of trail runners in Butte. I will say that. I think there's more maybe now. Mm-hmm. Um, I started like going more to the, the Butte Runners Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's some people that clearly they also trail run. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's picking up or people moving in. That's what they enjoy. So, yeah, I I don't know. I think, I think that when I come around the corner, they just see me and then they start running (laughs) because how can they, they, I've never seen them walking. I don't know. I just think they're, they're just, they're badass and I just can't, I just can't run that well, I guess. But, and then you've got the people like, uh, are you a David? David Groggins follower. <gasps> oh my God. You need to read. So David Groggins, he's, he's an ultra endurance runner. He is like the baddest man alive in my very humble opinion. Um, he, he's amazing. So he was a former, um, seal Navy seal and he got into running obviously in the military, but he was like 300 and 20, 350 pounds. I mean, he's six foot two, but he was a big boy. And he basically, it's all about like mindset, mentality, like pushing through the hard aspects of everything. And he does it through endurance running. And he went out and did a hundred mile race. This is after the seals. Like he went through the seals or whatever. And he's, he's a badass with all that. Um, he also went through the seals with like a broken leg too. But anyway, um, he ended up doing a hundred mile race just to be able to get into the death Valley hundred mile race. First time out had never trained for it, nothing, just went to do it as a prerequisite to get into the next like Death Valley type race. He's, he is a freak. He's a, if you're a runner, you need to read about it. I will get you the name of his book because I, it's, it's escaping me in this moment because I'm so excited about David Groggins. But anyway, I try to read the book once a year. It keeps your mind right on like whether something is hard or whether I'm just being a a wimp in life. (laughs) Because I look back and I'm like, well, David Groggins did this with a broken leg. Why can I not ride my bike up that hill? He did, he, he would have ran a hundred miles with a broken leg and I can't push myself one more hill so it kind of keeps me honest (laughs) okay we got off track but that's cool I like getting off track because that means we're having good conversation um okay back to backyard Montana just tell me and then we're going to get into your cool adventures because that's really the the fun part where is backyard Montana now and where is it going um it's still out there we're still selling trail maps um and the little bit of paraphernalia we've got on there um where is it going? I'd say that's a big, like, to be determined. Um, I'm trying to figure out what direction I want to take it in because the trail write-up thing, I don't think I'll pursue that much more. Um, I don't know. I thought about maybe I'll just do, like, our adventures but not, like, say where we are or, like, how far <laughs> it is to get there, whatnot, um, because we do we enjoy the solitude. Yes. That's what we love about this place. And some change is inevitable, but um, I don't know. I would like to keep some areas. You have to put research into it mm-hmm. to fully appreciate it. Yes, yes. That's, that is, I actually, I did a, Brandon and I did a trip to the Pintlers, and he's, Brandon is not a big, you know, backpacker. I don't think he's ever actually, except for in the Marines, he, you know, he did a lot of camp in that way. But <laughs> anyway, I had been talking to him for the last four years about all these 
magical places that I went. And our business has finally gotten to a place now where we can take weekends off and we can do these things. And I was over the top excited to take him to my favorite places in the Pintlers. And these are places that when I first discovered them, I had to go to like the ranger station to find like actual accurate trail reports and like how do you actually get to this trailhead and when will these trails actually connect or are they unmaintained you know like research right and you couldn't jump online and you couldn't just google you know trails and the pintlers because you would get like one of them but it, 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 it so Brandon and I anyway I take him out there for this magical adventure and we pull into this parking lot that I have never seen more than one car in and there's 16 vehicles 16 vehicles and I like tears well up in my eyes and I'm like oh my gosh like we're not alone here anymore and I've got my dogs with me and I'm like I can't I could not get up to some of these mountain lakes and stay the night in camp because my dogs would be there and they would be disrupting other people and it just it wouldn't work out so it was it was a hardcore realization that in the like three or four years that I have been out of backpacking and not doing that as much because I'm working that things have drastically changed. And it is, it's things like, like kind of like backyard Montana where you can get trail reports and you can get information on where to go find these cool places. It definitely, yeah, it made it more accessible um, without having to do the research. Um, So yeah, when we, the first backpacking trip we did, um, we got to the lake and I remember there was like, it was a lake that you can four-wheeler, you can take motorized stuff up to, and we didn't realize, like, how to choose our hikes back then, I guess. Oh, sure. uh-huh. <laughs> we didn't realize it was motorized. But, um, yeah, we got there, and we were, like, setting up camp, and then there were people, they must have brought, like, a blow-up floaty, and they were in the oh. lake, and they were, like, going by, we waved, yeah. whatever. Uh-huh. And then, like, Mitch heard him say, like, oh, so many people here, like, oh. so crowded. And it was just, like, the two of us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and we hike there. Yeah. But um, I think that, yeah, like from how you experienced it, say like prior the four years before, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of Montanans, they are used to having a place to themselves because yes. that is pretty amazing when you yeah. have this pristine alpine lake and yeah, Nobody sharing around. it. Yeah. We, it I be just, hard. Yeah. Just, I, don't know we I just don't know how to share because it's nothing it's nothing that we've ever really had to do and you know Brandon and I have never bought campers or side-by-sides or anything you know motorized or mechanical because we appreciate and I'm I'm willing to hike for an entire day to get to a place that I can be alone and sleep on the hard ground and you know all the things because you're alone and it's beautiful and it's this this amazing place that you know I would I would say 99% of people in the world will never see and that's the that's the the selfish side is like oh I want to have that to myself when I'm there but then the unselfish part of you goes home and wants to scream it out loud like look at this beautiful like like you're doing look at this amazing trail and everybody should be able to experience this it's like where's the middle ground you know yeah it's hard it is it's like I'm excited to share it because it's also like mm-hmm. it's beautiful I want people to see that but it's also like my my way of making art through photography. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I feel like really connected to it and want it to get it out there. Yeah. Um, shoot, I was going to say something. Oh. It was probably brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, that's what I was going to say. 
was Mitch's parents, Mitch's parents were visiting this past week and I was talking to them. I've talked to some friends recently about like, oh, I don't know what to do with it anymore because I don't want to continue what it started from. Right. And then um, Mitch's dad was like, oh, I was conveying like how you have to put in research to areas. And that's something I got frustrated with with yeah. Backyard Montana is people expected you to give them the name of a place on social media. Yeah. They expected you to spoon feed information to them. Yeah. And that just like irritated the hell out of me (laughs) like you can't take some like um responsibility into your own hands to figure out where you're gonna go yeah um that's kind of the fun yeah it it really is is. yeah Yeah. the way we found stuff which is more cheating than how you used to do it like going to the forest service stations we'd look on google satellite find a lake be like okay is there a trail to it (laughs) yeah yeah am i gonna bushwhack in here is it yeah i mean yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's, it's so selfish. I talked to, there's a lady that I'm going to try to get on this show too. Her name's Linda. She does a ton of backpacking. And I was telling her some of these frustrations cause she's an avid. She, she hikes every single day. She's retired. She goes all over the place, um, here, here and in Arizona. And she has a million stories. And so here I am, like, I have all these current frustrations because it's new to me. I'm, I'm newly learning that everybody and their brother has discovered outdoor recreation, which is crazy because I enjoy it and it changed my life. It literally brought me from probably going nowhere to find, it was my church, it was my therapy. So why would I not want everybody else to have that same love and joy? And I don't know if you get really deep, like, oh, it saved your soul, Right. But so I'm telling her, I'm kind of talking about this and I'm thinking that she's going to understand too. And she's like, well, that's selfish. She's like, you're kind of being a bitch about things. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. I guess I get, oh, okay, you're right. She's like, well, why should you get public lands to yourself? They're public for a reason. I'm like, oh, you're right. I'm a horrible human being. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what the middle ground is on it. We just, we it love is it. hard. It's really, really tricky. It's, I guess, just educating people on, like, etiquette, on, you know, giving mm-hmm. people space and, give you know, having, trying to be quiet. And, I mean, gosh, pack in, pack out. Just make leave it like no you trace, leave right? no trace. Yeah. And, and I and that's, I, I will say that. I haven't had a lot of problems with that. I feel like people in the most part, for the most part, have been pretty respectful of that in my travels recently. But I guess prepare for the day that that's not the case yeah um one of the big issues that we really didn't like about where we were living in that Adirondacks was the trails were because there's really major cities Mm -hmm. that go to the Adirondacks or the White Mountains there's like Boston New York City um surrounding cities Mm -hmm. and they all go to the Adirondacks because there was like this drive to be in the outdoors which I think it is great to have to encourage people to want that relationship. Um, But they were wanting to be on these same trails and the trails could not sustain the amount, the number of people. And then the people were not prepared. So I think my biggest issue with it all is that people won't um, educate themselves enough to be in the outdoors and be able to sustain themselves. Yeah. Well, and that's, I guess that's a very valuable thing for people like me is where Backyard Montana comes in because you, you are educating people, right? Right. And you can get that information out, which helps others that are current, you know, like avid outdoor people. People like you are also 
So I guess what I would say is like, thank you for having that service out there because it does help the others like us, even though it brings more people. And I guess selfishly, we can't, we can't, we can't say it's all ours and just educate them so that they appreciate and take care of things so that everybody can continue to enjoy it. And I don't know, it's, it is what it is. So, but besides Montana, where else have you been adventuring lately? I think I saw Alaska. Yeah, Mitch and I went to Alaska mid-July for a week and a half. Um, it was kind of always one of those thoughts where, and a lot of people have this, like some people, uh, someone I was talking with at the running group just this past Tuesday is I think a lot of us have this thought like, okay, if Montana gets too populated, we'll go to Alaska. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. that's even more remote. Right. Um, but we went there, and we had a great time. We, like, we went to the Kenai Peninsula, enjoyed a yurt on the beach. Um, if I, when I'm vacationing, I am not, like, pigeon pennies. <laughs> oh, no. 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 Like, it's got to be all out. Do it right. So, yeah, we did a lot of hiking in the Kenai, um, and then we went north to um, Denali, and I booked us a heli hike where we were able to run with um, the caribou. What? It was amazing. It was the highlight of our trip. (laughs) So you literally, like, do they, like release the hounds and they release these caribou or is it why like okay tell me about this yeah so we had uh it was definitely like an arranged tour which is very foreign to what we normally do uh-huh. but hello helicopter and then denali yes yeah so oh well gosh. and then i thought it was gonna go to denali but mitch made good sense like it's a national park. You can't just, like, fly a helicopter in there. And True. So, anyways, they went nearby, and um, they brought us to this tundra huh? um, outside of Denali. And the guy, he had a tour, our tour guide, he had a different group before us, and he had already spotted the caribou. He's like, oh, they're oh. just over this hill. And so we get out of the helicopter. He's like, we got to find the caribou, and he finds them. And then he's like, okay, so we got to run with the caribou now because they'll run with us. And he starts like running along the, uh, the top of a hillside. They're down below in this like ravine. There's like three of them. Mm -hmm. And Mitch and I are like, we just got out of the, you know, helicopter. Stretch a little bit. I need a protein shake. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's like, you need to run because otherwise they won't believe me. And so we're like running and then they start to run. And so he explained it a little bit, and I might butcher this for anybody that knows more about wildlife biology than me, That's okay. but um, he said that caribou were one of the easiest like animals to domesticate um, for Alaska, which seems surprising to me. Yeah. And so because they were so easy to domesticate, they see like somebody doing something like, oh, they're up there running, and then they're like, oh, God. Maybe we should run. Maybe so they're, they're, like, <laughs> they're like just complete sheep. They see somebody else doing something and they imitate it. That's the way that he kind of described it to us. Yeah. Very interesting. They're like seemingly docile uh, creatures. But did they, I mean, did they get close to you or did they weren't super close? We weren't like running within a foot of them. Okay. But um, there's like a definitely a little relationship there. <laughs> So cool. I mean, that's better than running with grizzly bears because I don't want the word running and grizzly bear in the same like sentence with me anywhere near it because that's no. terrifying. Yes. Did you, what else about Alaska? What else did you guys do? What else did you see? 
Yeah, we saw um, the Harding Ice Field. That was more by the Kenai. And Ice Field is an amazing experience. That was probably our favorite hike that we did. Um, Because, you know, we have Glacier National Park. You see glaciers. And um, it's just this little bit of snow that's, like, old. Yeah. But an ice field, <laughs> we hiked up, and the best way I can describe it is like you're looking at a frozen sea. There's so much frozen water, and then in the distance, we would see like mountains barely poking up Crazy. from the yeah from this sheet of ice, and I was just like, that's amazing. And you just think how those mountains underneath they're really still forming because yeah. they're being eroded with the ice and. The that's nuts. Rock is brittle. It's going to be changing underneath. And yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's like what's going to emerge in the end. Right. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. Right. I hope we're around for it to see. <laughs> we might be. So uh, did you do a lot of photography when you were there too? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Since when it's just Mitch, I can like force him to hang out somewhere while I take pictures. <laughs> Go entertain yourself. I don't feel the same with friends. I feel guilty, but him, yeah. no. Right. <laughs> That's marriage. He, he signed on the contract, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, took tons of photos. Um, the wildflowers are beautiful. Mm. Um, lots of fireweed. We have fireweed here, obviously, yeah. but they have like fields of it. Is that Indian paintbrush? Same thing? Or is nope, it different? It's different. It's oh. pink and like pretty tall. Okay. Um, yeah, like they kind of pop out. I don't know how to describe it. Okay. I'm doing some like hand miming here. Yeah, I know. I know it's hard on a podcast to like, <laughs> I, I see your gestures and I appreciate it, but they, they don't. <laughs> and I found out that you can make fireweed tea. Oh. Like they, and surprisingly, it's not their state flower. I think, a, oh, what is it? Don't look at me. I'm not smart yeah, enough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's, it's not a forget me not. It's like a really tiny Sick flower. <laughs> okay. But they have so much fireweed, and you can make fireweed tea. So we came back to Montana, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. So I collected all the leaves from, like, a couple um, fireweed plants. Sure. So I have yet to try it, Ooh, but it, apparently gonna... it's, like, a super tea. It helps okay. with inflammation and Very good. What not? Let so. me know how it works. <laughs> it's <know>. tasty. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, I actually, I have a, a friend and a, a former client, um, Becky Cowley, just she's a photographer too. She actually so her husband is an anesthetician. Did I say that right? They're the ones that make you not feel anything with needles. Though. Okay, right? The ones that, that sounds right. Is that no? That's not right. Well, a- anesthesiologist. Other one. I get them mixed oh, up. Anesthetician okay. is a skin person. He is an anesthesiologist. The ones that before surgery they put you to sleep. Yeah. The ones that we like. Anyway, so she's moved all over for his military career and for his you know anesthesiology career. And so now that he's settled into that, it's her turn. And he asked her what she wanted to do for her career so that she could get it going. And she chose moving to Alaska to do wildlife photography so she's actually and so I get to like live vicariously through her just like I live vicariously through you watching all of her like Alaska stuff but that's she's awesome oh she just God. like put herself where she knew yeah she could do it so. yes and, and that's so Robert Lester another guest that I had on this show that's what he said I was like I called him a photographer he's like I'm not a photographer I just go to the cool places the beautiful places and the camera does the work like it's it's just putting yourself in those beautiful places and that's what the beautiful huge part of it yeah yeah huge part but I don't buy that I don't buy it with him I definitely don't buy it with you it's like no there's there's some skill to it as well 
Um, yeah, so that's cool. So besides, okay, so so you you do awesome stuff for a living, quote unquote, for a living. But realistically, it sounds to me like you just live a pretty cool life, and then you capture photography to document it all. <laughs> that's what I'm getting out of this whole thing. What else are you doing? I mean, doesn't have to make money, but what what do you spend your days doing? What is the bulk of your recreational hobbies? Recreational hobbies. Um, so that would be like hiking, backpacking. Um, we do winter sports. We're getting into like winter camping. Ooh. Yeah, Mitch got a teepee tent with a fire, like a little tiny um, aluminum stove. Very cool. It like folds flat and then you open it up and it's a stove. It's amazing. Nice. So I want to do more of that. We have some um, skis that can take us into um, like some of the, I guess, ungroomed areas. They're not backcountry and they're not crosscountry. Okay. They're called Altai skis. I love them so much. I will definitely say their name. Um, yes. They're a fun ski. So, yeah, I'd like to do more winter camping stuff. We snowboard, but... Lately, we've just been wanting to, we've been more drawn to the uh, solitude. Yeah. Um, what other outdoor stuff? <laughs> well, I don't hunt, but sometimes I'll go with Mitch yeah, when he same. hunts. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice hike. Yeah. And that's what I tell Brandon. I said, if you shoot something, you need to tell me. I'm going to look away. I'm not touching it. I'm not helping you. I'm not condoning it. I will eat it, but <laughs> I'll help you pack it, but I don't want to see any of the sad. You know, I'm not I'm not that way. But it's it's beautiful. It's nice to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Mitch got an elk a couple of years ago, and I was actually, I, w- I wasn't sure how I would handle when he was, like, gutting and processing it. Yeah. It wasn't bad. I was, like, kind of interested. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I'm a huge animal lover, but I like to think that I wouldn't be able to participate or see or anything. But one of my other guests actually had on here, Anto, she, she brought a different uh, perspective to it that you just, you know, you give thanks to the animal and, like, oh, you, totally. you know, have this gratitude and kind of like a moment of, um, yeah, a moment of gratitude. You say thank you or whatever to it for giving its life. And, I mean, it is what it is. I'm going to eat it. So I, maybe I could do that. Maybe, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully Brandon actually gets an elk this year. I always tease him because he has yet to have gotten an elk since he's, I've been with him and it's me because he got them, I think before I (laughs) came around, (laughs) he hasn't got one in in like four years. So hopefully this is the year and I can tell you whether I'm able to help him. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. So a little bit of hunting, um, and then downhill skiing, if I mean, snowboarding or just snowboarding, I'm not a downhill skier. I don't know. I did it when I was young, but I don't think I could do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm kind of the same way. I wanted, I'm going to start. Do you cross-country ski, like regular cross-country ski? See, that's where we take our Altai skis. Like, we'll go on all – it's always ungroomed trails mm-hmm. um, because I think most people do – they'll do downhill or cross-country, but yeah. if you do want the solitude and a good workout, yeah. just go on any of the hiking trails, the Forest Service trails, yeah. and see how far you get. Yeah, so I'm going to have to try it. We keep trying to find things to entertain ourselves in the winter because it's so, it, you know, it's long and I like to be outdoors. And that's really when you have the most time, at least for me, I have, you know, the availability to do that stuff in the winter. But I can't stand the cold. I'm kind of a wimp with cold. But honestly, it's the first 10 minutes and then you're fine. Right. Because then you're you're hot. You're stripping down and you're, you're totally fine. But um snowshoeing I like I take my dogs my dogs actually really like snow hiking too and it's way more there's way more solitude like you said you never see people at least I don't when I'm out like snowshoeing 
I don't think I've come across a person before. No, it's pretty rare. Even when we go just on the CDT between Pipestone and Highway 2, it's like pretty rare we see somebody. And that's very close to you. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that in the evening or after work or whatever. So, yeah. Well, cool. Um, I guess last question I have for you. How about community involvement? Do you guys, are, are you guys involved with any sort of um, volunteer work around town? I feel like I've seen you at quite a few events. Hmm. I'm trying to think what events would be of recent. Um, but because we do spend time in the outdoors, I would focus more of my volunteer work towards like trail maintenance, um, sustaining, yeah, the outdoor recreation community. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a couple of years ago, I believe, yeah, not this past spring, but the spring prior, uh, Friends of Thompson Park had like a trail maintenance uh, event and I got to do that and that was pretty cool. Um, and I would definitely do more of that. So if you know of any, I would definitely sure. be willing to do that. I yeah. relate with that yes. the most out of a lot of like the community involvement yeah. options you do have here. Yeah. No, that's, that's funny. We, <clears throat> Butte Real Estate Group does, we do a monthly charity every single month and it was so funny. We, um, schedule the community cleanup. We always do it for Earth Day. And the Friends of Thompson Park scheduled it the same day. And I was like, those bastards. But we'd already committed and advertised that we were doing our own. I'm like, oh, we should have just joined them. So that's what we decided. Next year, our whole brokerage is just going to mob the Friends of Thompson Park and just have extra yeah. extra help instead. Because why, you know, why create another cleanup somewhere else when you can just have more people on the same thing? And But yeah, it was funny. We teased. We're like, those bastards. But really, it's like, no, they're bastards they're doing awesome things um because tr- did you okay do you do the the chainsawing do you like clear trails at all i haven't spring? done that i would be interested in learning oh my gosh yeah to... you just go to the forest service and you get your your uh, chainsaw permit thingy or whatever and then you can log your hours uh, my husband and i do it we don't take the hours we we actually give them to a friend of ours and then he logs <laughs> logs them but just because i haven't made it in there but we go and we you know you just chainsaw and clear out the trails it's good workout take your dog well i take my dogs and um, yeah, it's a good way to give back, but that's, that's the reason I asked you is cause it's, I figured you were involved in those type of things and it's one of those unappreciated things that people just don't, they don't understand if, if you're out and you're enjoying the trails, like they don't understand how much work goes into maintaining them. They don't understand the cleanup. They don't understand just, just basic maintenance that's year round on them or how money is, is made for those and the volu- it's all volunteer hours. So if people don't volunteer, then the money doesn't come in as mm. much for like federal funding and things like that too. So right. it's super, it's super important. And we, we definitely need, I need to, to volunteer more for it as well. We, we do the work, we just don't put the hours in, but it's important to log the hours so that the money comes and follows for funding. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, well, again, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. I would definitely say, I mean, I myself live vicariously through you because, you know, running businesses and not able to do as much outdoor stuff as I love. I'm like, well, I can always log in and see what Valerie's up to because then I can (laughs) see the beautiful trails and do and just watch all the cool adventures that you're on and um, live vicariously through you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it, and we will see you soon, hopefully on a trail. Sounds good. All right.